630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Nurse, beautiful move. To the net. Big time score. And Edmonton completes a dramatic comeback. Riley takes the step. Settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch. And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. I don't care what the coaches of the two teams playing in the Grey Cup on Sunday say. I give you all permission to have sex this week. Thank you. (laughs) Tom Richards is all over that. It's about time. (laughs) And and Larry Ruck says it's about time. How are you doing, everybody? Inside Sports is live from the Grey Cup Festival. It is just officially starting. We're in the 630 Chet Information Center. My name is Reed Wilkins. Here until 8 o'clock. You can come by and, and, and say hi. I'm a bit of a zoo animal right now. Because there is a barrier between me and uh, potential listeners. But I promise I will wave to you. But if you throw candy at me, I won't be able to get it. It'll hit the glass. I'll have to come out and get it. A lot going on, and I'm pleased to welcome two very special guests to the show right off the top. They both have their names on the Grey Cup. First of all, Tom Richards, former slot back with the Eskimos and currently on the uh, board of directors for the Green and Gold. How are you doing, Tom? Excellent. Uh, happy to, to help out. And great to run into Larry. I was just walking, literally walking down the festival here and Larry, hey, Bucket! <laughs> yells at me. Now, why was so, your nickname Bucket? Well, um, when I retired, uh, Dwayne Mandrusiak, the long, long time uh, equipment manager, just gave me my helmet because no one else was going to wear it. It was too big. So. <laughs> it was too big. I bathed a few kids in it, and yeah, it was. Yeah. Now, are, you, are you known for having a, an abnormally large skull, or yeah, what? Yes, <laughs> buckethead. So okay, I think it was Chris Skinner that that uh, christened me that. But yeah, Larry Ruck is here as well, former linebacker for the Eskimos. Larry, great to see you. Uh, what are you up to these days, man? Well, I'm uh, trying to get my handicap down a little bit, uh, <laughs> which. Um, isn't working quite as planned, but uh, I'm uh, I've moved from Edmonton about a year and a half ago, and I'm out in Kelowna now and enjoying uh, all it has to offer. Um, but it's great to be back, as I, I definitely miss Edmonton. Probably different perspectives for you guys for everything going on this week, Tom, because obviously you would have have a hand in in organizing it and, and coordinating it and having ideas for stuff that's going on. Now that you see the setup setup that it's off and running, is 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 it a sigh of relief or is it like? Okay, that's step one. Now we still got to make sure it all goes well. Well, exactly. You know, you're always looking to try to help out where you can. I think we had an enormous committee of uh, 21 subcommittees with an absolute army led by uh, Dwayne Veneau and just did an amazing job in, in, uh, in the guys getting sponsorships and selling out different events. It's just been uh, Edmonton definitely stepped up once again, as, as it always does. I mentioned you guys have both won the Great Cup. Tom, it was 87 for you and 87 and 93 for, for you, Larry. So obviously the 87 was the first post-dynasty championship, I guess, if you want to call it that. So you guys weren't on any of those five-in-a-row teams. Correct. So to get, I'll start with you, Larry, to get one of your own, if you want to call it that, and to to say, okay, maybe, you know, this is a new era for the Eskimos a little bit. We can still be champions, even though Moon and Kelly and, and Germany and Campbell are no longer part of the team. What was it like to win that year? Well, it was good because uh, you're right. Um, you know, 
the old guard had wasn't there anymore and um and it was up to us to carry on the tradition um you know we came close in in 86 well not in the great cup game we were but we, did, we did get to it <laughs> <laughs> we we made an appearance yeah. that's about it um so yeah there's always been such a tra- tradition of winning here and, and every player knows it as soon as they arrive um so you don't want to disappoint anyone not the fans not uh you know management coaches everybody in the front office who are used to winning and um fortunately we uh, got us back on track you know with uh a few victories and you know lots of great seasons uh we were it seemed like uh when i played we were always you know a play or you know away from either going to the great cup winning the great cup whatever so a lot of great seasons and memories here tom that that 87 game was back and forth giz's missed field goal return is one of the most replayed plays from that game but it came down to a kick right at the end i mean what do you remember about that i don't think there was any doubt in the game did you have any doubt (laughs) (laughs) just as we scripted it yes exactly Well, I tell you, it was uh, it was all of that, and 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 when that field goal went in, it wasn't. You, there was no, yay, we're gonna take this. It's okay. But there's still a minute and some to go. Or <laughs> you want a kickoff team? What are they gonna do? You just you still had your your eye on the prize and and what had to get done to to get it to get the win. But it, it was particularly sweet when you go and get blown out the way we were. It was such a bad taste in your mouth. It was one of the hardest things to do. Is right after the game you have your wind up party, and I remember trying to walk down the hallway to join everybody and the fans and 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 family, uh, and it was really hard to make that walk it took about 15 minutes i just didn't want to do it that was 86 as larry says you don't want to disappoint anybody you you just feel like you've let the world down and it's just crushing i don't even remember the score from that game but i was 12 and i remember every every 50 50 play if you want to call that (laughs) went hamilton's way and they controlled the whole game yeah you had to to deal with that so did that linger with you guys was that motivation in the off season was that some i mean these this version of the stampeders is getting asked all week oh you remember the last two years oh how are you dealing with that i mean what was it like for you guys in the 86 off season and then coming into yeah. camp in 87 yeah oh for sure you use it as motivation absolutely when you get that close to the prize and it slips through your fingers it's it's very tough it takes you a long time um you know it's a long off season and you don't get over it until you sort of hit somebody the yeah. next year in training camp and then and start getting it out you know i can't imagine you know what it's been like for the stamps it would be even for two years of that yeah I, that's you know just multiply that by about 10 but what we went through so uh i could imagine that um they are just obsessed with it and uh yeah um is there know, they're gonna i'm sure they're gonna they're gonna play better than they have in the past uh, couple great cups that they've uh, lost and I, I think it's going to be a great match if ottawa plays anything like the way they did last weekend it's going to be one one heck of a game they're pretty they're pretty balanced i mean you, you kind of look and say oh, okay well they're eh, a decent roster but they you know they won 11 games i really like powell's season i, yeah. th- I think he's a great running back and harris just he just he wins. Keeps getting the ball, the guys. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's he, he doesn't get any respect. He's Rodney, not as much of a Rodney Dangerfield as Blake Dermott, but 
<laughs> Still very, uh, very much uh, during the season, his own fan base, I think, were booing him. Oh, yeah, I guess similar to Blake, too, when he played. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he they were just booing the offensive lineman. This is the one guy. That's who they were booing. Tom Richards, former slot back for the Eskimos. Larry Ruck, former linebacker, joining us on Inside Sports. We are live at the Great Cup Festival, this 630 Chet Information Center, uh, just west, uh, pardon me, just east of the intersection of 99th and, and Jasper. What, what do you say about going into a game as a favorite or an underdog? I mean, I, I, mean, I think this one, it's, it's, it's pretty close. There's not going to be maybe a widespread like the last two years where people thought, ah, Calgary should roll them. Uh, in 89, obviously, you guys were a big favorite against uh, Saskatchewan in the West Final, and, and they came up and, and, and bit you. Still the best regular season record ever in the, in the CFL, but you didn't get the cup that year. So how, what's the uh, – does that – change an approach to a game? Does that seep into your mindset if you're hearing, ah, you should kick them, or if you're hearing, ah, you guys don't have much of a chance? I I think it's much easier to be an underdog, for sure, Uh, and I think, um, you know, sports proves that time and time again, you know. Um, There's, I think it's just um, internal pressure that you probably put on yourself if you're favored. Um, I don't think it's going to change anyone's approach or game plan or anything else. They both have their styles of play and they're both going to try and impose their will on the other. Um, uh, two well-matched teams uh, and uh, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, very much. I, I looking looking forward to the game. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a better game, I think, than 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 you think. But as far as being an uh, an underdog or, or or the favorite, you just got to ignore that as a player. You put that right out of your mind because if you're not focused on how you're going to win, <laughs> right? Right. The, the, you know, rather than read the press clippings of, well, I guess it's a you know a shoe in. You guys are going to win. Then uh, then you're going to have a problem. Uh, all right, guys. I really appreciate you dropping by. I, I know there's tons of Eskimos alumni around so it's really fun to have you guys drop by because honestly I didn't know who I was getting until Blake brought you in a minute before the show so that was a lot of fun. I might make Blake go on after 6.30 if he's still around because he can't get enough of being on Inside Sports. It's quite, it's a little embarrassing but I like the humor. We'll try to find somebody else for you. <laughs> Tom Richards and Larry Rock my name is Reed Wilkins. We're live from the Great Cup Festival at 6.30 Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Live from the Grey Cup Festival. Brought to you by Nate Continuing Education. Visit nate.ca slash conad. tuning in tonight it is 6 20 nhl action this evening the devils lead the canadians 3-1 in the second period rangers up three nothing on the islanders that's also in the second frame penguins taking it to the stars five nothing with nine minutes left in the second Sidney crosby has his ninth of the season tanner pearson getting his second capitals up two nothing on the hawks nine minutes into the middle frame after one the Sabres leading the Flyers 4-0. Buffalo having a pretty good year. Hurricanes lead the Maple Leafs 2-1. Coming up to the halfway point of the game, Tavares has his 14th. No score after one between the Bruins and the Red Wings. After 20 in Tampa, lightning up 2-1 on the Panthers. Early in the first, Predators already ahead of the Blues 1-0. Senators and Wild are scoreless early. Later, Golden Knights and Coyotes, Canucks and Ducks, Jets at Flames, Avalanche against the Kings. Oilers win last night in overtime 4-3 against the San Jose Sharks 
the win for new coach Ken Hitchcock. He spoke to the uh, media today in Anaheim. The Oilers did not practice. He'll run his first practice tomorrow. We'll have some comments from Hitch as we move along tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports from Sportsnet. It is Arash Madani. Arash, how's it going, buddy? Everything is great, Reed. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Now, are you ju- are you just getting into town? Or are you still coming in? What's going on? No, I landed Monday night, and I see gas is under a dollar a liter here, so I'm not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. <laughs> well, there you go. We're glad we could uh, we could we could give you some Western hospitality for sure. Uh, how many are you? Are these guys like you? You keep track of all Grey Cups? You get collects of some the pins or the memorabilia? Or how many games is this for you? I I don't collect the pins. I keep my credentials, though. I think I must have. Oof, what do we know? I can't believe it's 2018. I guess maybe 12, 13, 14, something like that. It's been a while. My first one was 01 Montreal for the 8 and 10 Stampeders beat the, I want to say, 15 and 3 Blue Bombers. Uh, 14 and, and 4, yep. 14 and 4, there we go. Yeah. Um, and a block punt by the Stamps in the far end zone underneath the uh, decrepit Commodore 64 uh excuse of a screen at the big O was the key play uh, when Troy Westwood wasn't kicking field goals right off the upright. Well, any Commodore 64 reference is appreciated, ah, so th- thanks for that. Go. Atari, <laughs> I, too. We can get Atari I, in there if you want. I had a VIC-20. Uh, we didn't spring for the Commodore 64, but that's okay. Uh, right. Hey, you were... No, I got I to gotta remember this story here. You told it to me once, I think. Because didn't you have a stint as the Ottawa Renegades media relations person? Yeah, two years. Uh, I was there the 04 and 05 season, the last two. And in 2004, the Grey Cup was in Ottawa, and that was during one of the many NHL lockouts. And so that was before, Reed, our industry imploded on itself and people actually covered things. And so there were hundreds of media. I mean, Peter Mansbridge was broadcasting the national from Frank Clair Stadium that week. So it was, it was a wild one. That was Toronto and BC where the Lions, uh, went with Dave Dickinson over Casey Printers in that game and the Argos ended up winning it. Was that Damon Allen's last game? I don't think it was his last game. I think he broke one of one of the many records he owns the next year. I think it was his last championship, though. And Arlan Bruce was a receiver on that uh, Argos team. I remember late at night, long after it all ended, walking into a, Re- a Renegades locker room. The Argos were in the home locker room. So basically, it was destroyed. Um, and you smelled uh, cheap, stale champagne. <laughs> And a lot of cigar smoke, and there was Arland and Damon Allen and Marcus Allen sitting in the locker room with a trophy. And it was one of the more surreal mental snapshots I have. And you're talking about an all-time great NFL running back. Arland, who's, you know, one of the great characters. Andre Risen was on that team. He was in that mix, and Damon, so... That's amazing. Marcus oh, yeah. Allen just hanging out. Uh, yeah, Killer. Damon, Damon he, he played till 07, and I, this is, might have been one of the things. So he won that championship, and then in 2005, he was MOP in the CFL at the age of 42, so one of the sure. all-time greats. Was it there? Did, did the owner of the Renegades 
want to cancel or postpone the Grey Cup because he was mad at the league about something? Or am I misremembering something you told me before? So here's how it went down. It was the Friday evening before the game. And at that time, Frank Lair Stadium, they they put about 20,000 or so temporary seats. And it was... I I saw Donald Trump tweeted today that global warming is a hoax. So (laughs) bear with me because back in those days... It was really cold and really windy, and the temporary seating was just swaying in the vicious wind. So the city would not give an occupancy permit and another permit. I can't believe what I can't remember what it was. So anyway, Friday evening, I get a call from our CEO at the time, John Lasowski, and he said, "I need you in my office." And I said, "John, I'm busy. It's important." I'm like, "Okay." So I go into his office. And I'm talking six o'clock or so, give or take. And there's a bottle of scotch on his desk, and it's open. And he looks at me and said, uh, pull out your notebook. And I'm like, okay, this should be good. Said, this is the headline for a press release. Said, okay. A gray cup is canceled. I'm like, oh, God. I mean, we're, we're less than 48 hours before kick. I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, the Grey Cup is canceled. He said, I say, well, give us an occupancy permit. Uh, you know, hell with them. A few more expletives involved. And so we had to talk the CEO of the team off the ledge. And the league and, and the organization, the organizing committee, eventually uh, came to some kind of agreement. I, I don't think anybody would have put a signature on it to approve those seats. But the game went off. And, and, and another great moment of that Grey Cup was that one of the Renegades players, Jason Kralt, he, you know, early in the first quarter, he comes over to me with some friends, and he's just looking around. I'm like, what's going on, Kralt? And he said, I have all these tickets, and no one's taking my tickets. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, there's nobody. And I looked around. There were no ticket ushers. There was nobody scanning tickets. There was nobody ripping off the, the edge of the ticket. I said, well, I'll just go sit wherever. And I ran into that same CEO, and I said, where are ticket takers? He said, nobody will show up to the stadium without a ticket. They'll find their own way to their seat. <laughs> that's incredible. Wow. True story. <laughs> and maybe that's all lends to why the Ottawa Renegades are, are no longer a franchise. But And so, Reed, when you think about that, and when you think about where the Red Blacks now are, in their second Grey Cup in three years, they are the team in Ottawa right now. Eugene Melnick turned the Senators into the Renegades. That Lansdowne has gone from a place in decay to a destination. And that they have become one of the real, one of the flagship franchises of this league. It really is a great kind of indicator of just how far they have come. Yeah. Well said. Hey, Arash, I, I got to go to the news here right away. The incredible stories. I, I love hearing those about Ottawa. And, and you're right, the Red Blacks have done have done great. Uh, three Grey Cup appearances already since the Ottawa rejoined the league. I hope to see you around this week, man. Enjoy Edmonton and enjoy the game. You got to read. And just so you know, the GM of your football team definitely reached out to other assistant coaches under contract to see if they had interest in interviewing for a job if there was a vacancy in Edmonton. Just wanted to reiterate that. No, fair enough. I know you put that out there earlier. So, yeah, you're standing by that. I appreciate that. Take care, man. Bye, man.
That is Arash Badadi from Sportsnet Live on Inside Sports. We are at the Grey Cup Festival in the 630 Chet Information Center. Back after the news. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Live from the Grey Cup Festival at the 630 Chet Information Center. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. Next game for the Edmonton Oilers is Friday afternoon. Two o'clock start. We'll have the face-off show at noon as the Oilers will take on the Anaheim Ducks. Three-game road trip for the Oilers. They won last night in San Jose. They will play Los Angeles on Sunday evening, 8.30 start. So that should uh, begin shortly after the Grey Cup ends. All right. West End Ron says, I remember Ruck and Gizmo going to the West End Club Fit in the early 90s and Ruck doing his actual workout while Gizmo walked around saying hi to everyone. <laughs> LOL, good memories. That is from West, <laughs> West End Ron, who also loves the San Francisco 49ers. West End Ron, I, I'm sorry that that happened to them this year. I thought they were going to be good with Garoppolo. He gets hurt and it's, uh, it's lights out. Um... Christoph says, uh, hi, Reed. Respectively, I was listening to the interview with Madani. I was um, very impressed as to how positive he was behaving regarding the CFL, as he does have the reputation of being negative towards the league, as he's employed by a competitor to TSN. Too bad he had to finish the interview by throwing around unprovoked dirt like a greasy attention hound reporter. He just seems so often to have a negative tone to the league. Nonetheless, great show as always. Thank you from Christoph, who shares the name of the Ed Harris character from The Truman Show. Wasn't that the name of the director of The Truman Show? Kellen, Christoph, the Ed Harris character? Uh, I, I was, don't know. I never seen I The Truman Show. I think it was Christoph. So. Great show. Top 10 movie of all time in Wilkie's world. Uh, yeah, Arash Badani reported that Brock Sunderland was uh, sniffing around talking to assistant coaches about possibly becoming the Eskimos head coach. Um, it, that never really went anywhere. He is standing by the story, as I would expect a reporter to do. I don't know if it's overly relevant now since Jason Moss will be back as a head coach for the Eskimos next year, and he will not be the offensive coordinator. Uh, we'll see who that winds up being, but a lot of uh, names circling around uh, Jordan Maximic. James texting in. I would say the first game with the Oilers' new head coach went off with a hitch. Oh, James, you are as clever as you are handsome. Of course, the new coach is Ken Hitchcock, and he is 1-0, so that's a good start. The Oilers are 10-10-1 on the season. The team did not practice today. Hitchcock did speak to reporters in Anaheim, and uh, he was asked, so what about uh, cheating defensively a little bit to create offense? Is that going to be acceptable? Here's what he said. My view is uh, when, when you have the puck, that's for you. When you don't have the puck, that's for us. And I'm really flexible uh, with the puck stuff. I, 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 I use concepts and, and ideas more than I use uh, flat-out X's and O's, but uh, there's no negotiation when the other team has the puck. It's, there's no negotiation at all, and I expect everybody over the next uh, couple of weeks to start looking the same when the opposition has the puck, and, and that's the area that's, uh, 
it's in my domain. That's the stuff that a coach controls, and uh, there's just no negotiation for me. There's no negotiation. So that's what Hitch is going to hammer. And that's what Rob Brown has said, who played for Hitch in junior and a couple other stints at his career, that Hitchcock's philosophy has always been when you have the puck, especially if you're a good offensive player, create. You, you, you can do what you want to try to score. But when you don't have the puck, you do what I want. That, that's the trade-off. And, and I think a lot of coaches have that philosophy. Uh, Hitch has obviously done a good job of actually executing it during his years behind the bench in junior and, uh, and in the National Hockey League. So, you know, and look, Todd McClellan wanted them to check, wanted them to play good defense, wanted them re- to be responsible, wanted them not to cheat. I think coaches want the same thing. Uh, you know, Hitch is going to try to deliver the message in his way and, and hopes that it, and hope that it works better than it had with McClellan. The roster is the same. In terms of last night's game, the formula was the same for victories under Todd McClellan. We'll see if that shifts as it goes along. The big guys got the points. The big guys got the big goals. The goaltender, Koskinen, last night made the big saves when they needed to be made. The, the Sharks were never to, able to go up by two. He made a couple of nice stops when it was 3-3 in the third. And then in overtime, you turn Dreisaitl and McDavid loose. The Oilers are now 4-1 and one in overtime. Dreisaitl has two game winners. McDavid has one. Nurse has the other one. And uh, Crosby scored in the game the Oilers lost in overtime. So if the Oilers keep it close, can uh, play better defensively, we're going to have to watch for how they play. One thing Shirelli said yesterday, how they play between the dots and the wall. And as a lot of the game is played along, along the board, so I'm sure they'll, they'll work on, on that sort of structure. Dreisaitl and Connor. They were not together to start the year. McClellan reunited them a few games before he was let go. They stayed together last night. And Hitch says probably will stay together for a while. I, I think they work really well together. I think they find the ice for each other. They see the ice. To me, Leon's uh, soft touches with the puck, uh, I, I, I it really surprised me because I, I, I knew he was a good player. I didn't know that... He had touches with the puck like he does, and you know. So I'm, I'm right now really focused on keeping them together, unless there's an injury that forces us otherwise. But I think the the thing that goes underrated is I'm able to do that because of the good play of Nugent Hopkins. I'm able to play those guys together because uh, Nugent Hopkins is a, he he can carry a line and he's capable of doing that stuff. He's a very effective player. Well, I'm sure that will warm the hearts of a lot of you the praise for Ryan Nugent Hopkins so it looks like Hitch's plan is uh, McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl remain together Nugent Hopkins perhaps the most trustworthy player on the Oilers will be on his own line well yeah for sure I mean get the wingers who uh, who aren't as dependable who haven't scored as much we I mean we've seen Ryan Spooner have bursts of offense in the past with Boston and New York he's not been able to say sustain it he's clearly fell out of favor in the Rangers and got traded here so we don't know what we're gonna get for Spooner then last night Chase on was on that line who's shooting over 40 percent for the season and good for him for doing it you need secondary guys to have bursts it's gonna be tough for him to maintain well I would say impossible for him to maintain that shooting percentage uh and so that's who Nugent Hopkins is with right now. But as Hitch said, because you have Nugent Hopkins so reliable and such a thorough player that you are able to keep Dreisaitl and McDavid together. So that is he, how is he uh, approaching that now? 
obviously a, a lot of people have said, well, you know, a lot of coaches getting hired now are younger out of the AHL, out of the NCAA even. And uh, now you got Ken Hitchcock, who is going to turn 67 next month. How is that going to work relating to the younger players? Well, Hitch was asked about that today. We've passed through millennial and we're into the I generation. And I think the I generation is fascinating because um, it's the most prepared generation I've ever seen in sport, uh, academically too, culturally same. Uh, and it's my job to eliminate surprises. And it's my job to, to make sure they know what I wanted, why, and what's in it for them. And I've got to explain that to them. And I've got to be open to explain that to them, or else they're not going to buy into it. And, and I think if you're willing to do that stuff and take the time to do that stuff, you've made the adjustments that are necessary. And if you just go at it stubbornly and say, this is what I want you to do, and they don't have any impact in the decision-making and there isn't discussion, I don't think you get anywhere. Really interesting stuff from Ken Hitchcock because he did say there he is open to discussion. You have to explain why. I, I think he is obviously ready to show some leeway when it comes to certain discussion points and, and certain things about getting through to a player. But he also said in one of the earlier clips, when it comes to playing without the puck, there is no negotiation. His expectations will be you do it his way. Um, and he did also say yesterday, shortly after he was hired, that... There will be uh, some. Un- it'll be uncomfortable for this team and for these players at-, at certain points as he gets them to do what he wants and what he expects. What have a lot of people said about Ken Hitchcock? That it was. Uh, well, this is beautiful. Got a couple of people. Uh, Chris, the intern from Oilers Nation, is waving to me. That's nice to see. And they were just frightened by fireworks going off. I think the surprise concert is starting on the building of the uh, on the roof of the CKUA building. Uh, I believe the Strombellas Global News telling me is the secret act about to be revealed. But to get back to Ken Hitchcock before I got distracted there, um, he, he's he's not going to have. Uh, any leeway when it comes to how you check and how you play defensively and what you do without the puck. And that's probably something a lot of you want to hear, and that's probably something that that this team needs. Because I think, look, I'm not going to say negative stuff about Todd McClellan. I still think he's a great coach, and on a just a professional level, he was awesome to deal with. Uh, I mean, sure, there were... Uh, you know, tense moments and questions he didn't like along the way, but he always dealt with the, that professionally. So I got nothing bad to say about him. But the team had gone away from, I think, some of the lessons that McClellan had taught them and think areas he'd taken them to. I think they'd stepped away from that and weren't as committed to it. So Hitchcock is going to try to push them back in that direction. By the way, you can let me know but, uh, what you think by texting 63630. Boy, there's some clever people out there. James with a with a hitch pun, Allegene Principe. Rob says, I believe Hitchcock will solve this Oilers mystery and turn the season into a thriller. Somebody get me a shower curtain. <laughs> I, I, the thing that makes me sad is I know some people are like, why, why would he say that? <laughs> Cassandra is here laughing from our promotions department. So you got, you got the reference. All right. How many more wins does uh, Hitch need? to become the second winningest coach in the NHL. He is 66 wins behind Joel Quenville. So it's impossible for him to pass Quenville this season because the Oilers have 61 games left. And uh, 
Another texter says, uh, Shirelli needs to go. While I'm excited to get the coach they did, Pete took the easy low road. He is just trying to save his job. Todd McClellan was not given enough depth of a team to coach. Well, obviously, that's, that's a very relevant comment and a completely relevant criticism of Peter Shirelli. Having said that, I, I think right now it's it's short term. It's what's Hitchcock going to do next game, next week, between now and the end of the season. Clearly, Peter Shirelli is is under the gun. We've talked about that a lot. I think it'll be a bigger discussion point as we go through the season and get to the times of year where a managerial change might be more likely. Uh, I know Craig Simpson said today on Oilers Now, you know, sure, obviously Shirelli's under the gun, but changing the GM at, at this point of the season does absolutely nothing to help in the short term and, and maybe prevent the, prevent you from firing too, falling too far behind in the playoff race. You can text 630-630. This portion of the show is presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Reed Wilkins in the 630 Chet Information Center at the 2018 Great Cup Festival. 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Live from the Great Cup Festival. Brought to you by Nate Continuing Education. Visit nate.ca slash conad. My focus is going to be building this game uh, from our end out. Like, we... He needs to have the puck more, uh, as do all of our centers, because that's one of the strengths of the team is that uh, I think we need to find ways to get them the puck more deeper, and that's going to be the focus starting tomorrow. Focus started tomorrow at practice for Ken Hitchcock and the Edmonton Oilers, who wants Connor McDavid to have the puck more. I think that's something else you're going to like. He has it a lot, but Hitchcock believes that there are, are ways for McDavid to have the puck even more, getting closer to the D, get closing to the, to the wingers. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Oilers start breaking out under, under Hitchcock. I, I, there were definitely changes under Todd McClellan, specifically the playoff year. There, there was more support. There were defensemen coming up and filling gaps and providing another option for wingers to pass to to get the puck out and get it through the neutral zone. I think they've still been trying to do that, uh, but they haven't been executing it as well. But there might be a shift here in, in where the centers position himself. And if you listen to the whole Hitchcock availability today, and you can get it on, on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, he has a lot of praise for the centers on the team, a lot of praise for Nugent Hopkins. Uh, he's you know had Brodziak earlier in his career. We'll see what, how, what happens with the fourth-line center. Should point out, Cooper Marodi didn't play in the third period last night under coach head Ken Hitchcock. He played in neither the second nor third period Saturday night in Calgary under coach Todd McClellan. So uh, both guys uh, showing some unwillingness to go with a younger player in that role. But Hitchcock likes the centers on the Oilers. He likes the strength down the middle. He wants those guys to be in a better position to get the puck more and get it up ice and create. And I know Rob said this yesterday, Ken Hitchcock is not a defensive coach. He, he knows you got to play defense, and he knows you got to check, and he wants you to do it well. But why is he doing that? So you get the puck. And, and then you can go be creative and, and do whatever you want. So he wants you to play defense hard, to commit to it, make sure you're doing the right things to help your teammate out while you're on the ice, and then get the puck and go. And forecheck, and the forecheck's ultimately the best way to keep the puck out of your own net because the other team isn't going to be shooting at, at your goal. So we're starting to see some of Hitchcock's philosophy. Certainly we've seen him play uh, other teams he's had play this way. 
And can he get the Oilers to do it? I, I don't expect a turnaround to the magnitude of what he did a few years ago when he took over the St. Louis Blues when they were 6-7, and seven, and he went on to win 43 games the rest of the year and win Coach of the Year. I don't know if the Oilers are good enough for him to pull off that record. They, they might be able to be good enough to get third in the Pacific Division because, as we talked about a lot yesterday, the division is not very good. And I'm saying as a whole because San Jose is a good team. I think Calgary's a pretty good team. Third place is up for grabs because right now nobody looks like a 90-point team. I mean, nobody's on pace to get more than 82 points out of that bunch. So it's there for the Oilers if if they can play better and, and commit and do what Hitchcock wants. This is going to be fun. It's going to be fun with Hitchcock along for the ride. Certainly has changed the conversation a bit around, around the Oilers, and it'll uh, change the dynamic as well. We get a break for the 7 o'clock news. Jed Roberts is scheduled to join us. After the 7 o'clock news, we'll also have Dwayne Vineau, Executive Director of the Great Cup Festival. You're welcome to say hi. We're in the 630 Chet Information Center at the Great Cup Festival. Reed Wilkins on Inside Sports. Talk to you in a few minutes. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.